Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Steelers Preview. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and no, we are not crazy. I know what you're thinking. Week 11 just wrapped up last night on Monday Night Football, and why are we all of a sudden turning the page so quickly to the Denver Broncos in Week 12? Well, the reason is, is that typically the show runs on Thursday. If you didn't know, if you're not from, if say you're not a United States citizen, this Thursday is our Thanksgiving. Therefore, it's a major holiday, family, friends, food, football, you name it. That's what goes on during this time. And so we will not be doing the show on Thursday. So we still wanted to give you the content. We still wanted to give you the preview and our predictions. And that's why we've moved the show to Tuesday. So here we are, Steelers preview talking Steelers and Broncos and joining me as always, my friend, Brian Anthony Davis. Brian, how are you doing this evening? Jeff, I'm doing fantastic. And I am still on a high after that, that Sunday game. And I hope it keeps on carrying over high going into my trip to fan high. That's going to happen on Thursday. Well, actually more like a low because it's going to put me out, but we're going to have some great football on, on Thursday coming up. I love this time of year, and I love it when the Pittsburgh Steelers are winning. So I'm on cloud nueve. <laughs> yeah, for me, I love it when the Steelers win. I also love it when the Steelers don't play on Thanksgiving because as someone that has to do a, a massive amount of work on game days, the last thing I want to do is have to do that all on a holiday. So for once, you know, you think about it, the last two years prior, the Steelers have played on Christmas. That two years ago, they did play on Thanksgiving where they beat the Colts. It'll be nice to just be able to sit back and watch TV. But in case you didn't look at the slate of games for this Thursday, to me, it, they're not bad matchups. But for the second straight year, it's all NFC teams. I don't know if you've noticed that. So the early game is Bears and Lions. Then you have Redskins, Cowboys in between. And then the, the night game are Saints and Falcons. Come on. Give me at least one AFC team. Give me something, some team that I can say, okay, as a Steeler fan, I want to watch this game because it might have some type of impact on the team that I cover and the team that I follow so close. So, um, Brian, out of those three games on Thursday, we'll say real quick, which one are you looking forward to the most? Well, of course, I'm looking for the New Orleans Saints, who, um, despite that great display last night by uh, two teams, that extraordinary basketball game that we watched in Kansas City and Los Angeles, um, I still think New Orleans is the team to beat, um, and I think they're fantastic. But guess what? They're playing in Atlanta, and Atlanta's one of those teams that uh, this is a divisional game, and they play New Orleans tough at times. So I'm really interested in this ball game. I think it's going to be great. But you mentioned the all the NFC teams, and for me, I'm very nostalgic. I'm an old man now, so I mean, I'm the guy that goes in my day. But in my day, Jeff, and not too long ago, there was a formula, and you know how I like formulas. That's how I figure out the. The Steelers schedule every year. I know who they're playing in 2026, basically, except two games. I can tell you when and where because I know the formula. But the formula every year was an AFC team would play Detroit in the early game and an NFC team would play Dallas. Then the next year, it was vice versa. The AFC team would play the, the later game at 4 o'clock against Dallas. Well, Chicago and Detroit were playing every year. 
it, so it seemed. But so that's kind of what I was used to. And you knew you would always get that AFC team in there. You just knew everything was going to happen. Now it doesn't. Now that primetime game's in there, and I'm cool with it. But come on, AFC are people too. We have feelings. <laughs> I think it's a better conference. I mean, it might be top-heavy, but those top teams are fun to watch. And um, I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad the Steelers don't play on Thanksgiving. They don't have the best record. I'll never forget Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, 1994 was the Jerome Bettis coin toss game, correct? Was it 94? No. no. Nope. What was it? No, 90, it's uh, 98. So, 1998. Yes. 1998. No, 19, 1983 was the first time I remember them playing in Thanksgiving, 45 to 3. I was at my nana's house in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I was like 11 years old watching this game, and they got absolutely crushed. Then in 1991, they played Dallas and got crushed on Thanksgiving. And then that 1998 game, I'm like, finally, they're going to win a game. And then there's the coin toss. And then you're like, what is going on? Then the famous Mike Tomlin trip, mm -hmm. almost trip of Jacoby Jones. And I, I want to say 2013, maybe yep. 2014, no, 13. And then finally, that Colts game of two years ago. They finally got to taste the turkey. It was, <laughs> funny. it was great to watch the killer bees uh, with a giant turkey, and they're all on munching it. And then Ben holds it up, and there he goes, "I'm going to go give this turkey leg to my lineman." I'm like, "Gosh, you're going to get murdered if you take one turkey leg in there <laughs> to all those big boys." Don't do that. But Thanksgiving, I, I don't want them on the schedule. No. But I don't want Christmas games on the schedule. But they're two and zero on Christmas, so yeah. I'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's 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 definitely a catch twenty two. You are around family, you are around friends. It's it's it brings a different atmosphere. I guess when you're working the game and having to cover the game, it's a little bit different. Um, I know Brian has game day responsibilities as well, so he knows what I'm talking about. But nonetheless, here we are. Steelers seven two and one coming off a very some might say a season defining win against the Jaguars. Quickly, Brian, do you agree with that statement that even though it was ugly, even though it at times looked horrendous, that this could be a season defining moment for the Steelers? Or do you think this is a moment where the Steelers have now kind of been exposed a little bit? Well, you know, Jeff, for me, and I coined this phrase the other night. I just came off the top of my head. If somebody has said it before, then I just stole it from you subconsciously. I don't know. But here's the deal. Good teams win when they play well. Great teams win when they play ugly. New England Patriots, they win a lot of ugly games. Um, Pittsburgh proved that they were in the upper echelon by winning this game. I think this is the kind of game that could possibly be talked about on Super Bowl Sunday as the what got them there. I'm not mm -hmm. saying it's definitely going to happen, but it reminds me of that moment, that play, that everything, um, th that entire last drive. And when Ben Roethlisberger came out there, it was the first time all game I thought he did not look scared. He looked like a cowboy. He looked like the sheriff. He was just – he walked down and, like, they got this. And I – and I said this I, as a joke on the, uh, the Hangover last night, but it reminded me of one of my favorite movies, football movies, The Program, 
where the quarterback at the beginning, he would always come out, his catchphrase was, hey, let's go put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner, boys. And then, you know, he didn't say that he was struggling. I guarantee you he said something like that because he walked to that huddle and Antonio Brown was talking about and Juju was talking about it. Like, bet we believed in Ben. He walked in that huddle. We knew it too. Yeah, they knew it. I yeah. knew it watching it on TV. I just, I just loved that performance. One of the ugliest games. But hey, you can have an ugly baby and still have it be your favorite. This is the ugly baby that's my favorite right now because I will, I will remember this game. As long as I live, the celebration, I did hug, jump and hug a fat man, but um, that was at my house. Um, and uh, so we have that bond now. Um, I took a few Silkwood showers, but you know, <laughs> here's the thing. I will never forget that moment. That was one of the greatest Steeler memories of my life. And I've had a lot of great ones. But that's going to rank there. Well, and they're going to be singing about this for years. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if you if you think about this game, and if it would have gone the other way, for whatever reason, and let's say Roethlisberger's knee is down, and they go for it and don't get it, they end up losing. Whatever the case may be, if they would have lost this football game, they would have been six three and one, and then you have two five and five teams, which is really just knocking on the door. Um, you wouldn't have been as close in terms of, well, you definitely would not have been in the number two seed. That was a huge, huge win. And was it pretty? No. No one is saying it's pretty. I haven't heard anyone say that that was a beautiful win. Maybe Mike Tomlin. He's known for going into the post-game press conference and saying, man, what a beautiful win that was. And the mediator's like, what in the world are you talking about? And he's just talking about his players going out, making enough plays to win the game. Um but the only one thing I the only other thing I want to ask you, and I'm going to ask Lance Williams this tomorrow night on our standard is a standard podcast, is it's it's about the Steelers defense. Everyone knows about the Steelers offense. It's it's high powered, it's dynamic, it's multifaceted. Any way you want to describe it is completely legit at this point. They might have looked bad in three quarters, but that fourth quarter showed you that you, it's tough to keep them down for 60 minutes. But with that said, let's talk about the defense for a second. At what point, because let's be honest, we've all said it. Brian, you've said it. I've said it. Lance has said it. This defense could be the downfall of the team. We've said that this defense is, you know, going to be a team that can just have to kind of just don't get in the way, essentially. But at what point do we start thinking that this defense, especially when you look at what happened on Monday Night Football, we're talking about 105 points surrendered total. At what point is the Steelers, who haven't given up more than, what is it, 20 points during this winning streak, the six-game winning streak, I believe? At what point do you say, this team, I'm 21 points because they gave up 21 to Carolina because of the garbage touchdown, garbage time. At what point do we say that this team, this defense could be legit and not a vulnerability? You know what, Jeff, we're saying it right now, and we have to for a couple of reasons. Um, you might have been wanting to save this for later, but just let me throw you four numbers, six, seven, nine, and 10. That's four major defensive rankings that the Pittsburgh Steelers rank in the top 10. Um, this game with Blake Bortles definitely helped them a whole lot, um, getting that average down. But they are giving up 227.2 passing yards a game, which they're ranked number seven. 
Rushing yards per game, they're only giving up 99.6. They're ranked ninth. They're ranked 10th in points per game, 22.5. And overall, they're the sixth ranked defense. So we got to say they're legit now. The only question I have is, was that secondary even close to being tested the other day? It was hard to grade the secondary because they weren't tested. But the front seven did their job. Um, six sacks once again. That was just a masterful, masterful performance. And I think, it, and I've been saying this all along, and you have never poo-pooed it, and I appreciate that other people have when I've said it, but you have Joe Hayden and, and Morgan Burnett on the field. And I know we're not, it doesn't seem like we're seeing a lot from Morgan Burnett, but I think that is such a huge upgrade over a head case that was Mike Mitchell. And I know he's playing well in Indy, but they're just, they're coached on the field. There's no confusion issues. There was confusion issues at the beginning of the season. That's not happening. And Keith Butler, who I'm on his back all the time, whoever's idea to bring in Jordan Dangerfield was brilliant. He's doing the run support. He's helping out. That was a team effort on defense. Suddenly, I was thinking, we've got a defense, and I hope this keeps up. And I know it's against Blake Bortles, but look, the biggest part of that whole game for me, Jeff, was the fact the first half, Leonard Fournette had 75 yards and like five point something yards per carry. The second, the second half, 20 yards and like 1.8 yards per carry. He was just completely you know, castrated. He couldn't do a single thing. The only thing that he did, Jeff, was on that basically that dump off pass that he rumbled like in the middle of the field, that screen pass um, for 30, 40 yards that helped set up that touchdown drive. After that touchdown, not even a first down. That's a good defense there. If you can do that to a player like that. Yeah, and, and the thing about Steeler fans, and that's who I'm really talking to at this point are Steeler fans, is I don't know when, and I understand why, they become so cynical and so skeptical. Um, it's because of the, the playoff letdowns, whether it's the AFC Championship game against the Patriots, whether it's the divisional game against the Jaguars, uh, whether you go back even further to the divisional round against the Broncos when Fitzgerald Toussaint fumbled the ball. It's always a... Well, they have to prove me this. And it's, it, I guess at some point I ask, when is that enough? And that, I've asked Lance that because everyone knows Lance Williams is a good friend of mine. Uh, been doing the show with him for years, but he is a doubter. And I always ask him, at what point are you going to just believe that this team has the, the guts, the, you know, what it takes to win it all? He's starting to warm up to the task. But there's still a lot of question marks. So here you had a D, an offense that runs the ball well. And we know that in the first half they got gashed. But in the second half, they shut it down when they needed to. And especially with a lead, that's when the other team's going to run it and run it and run it. And you expected to stop it, and they did just that. And then you say, you know, Brian, you said this earlier. Well, was the pass defense tested? Well, they stood pretty tall against Matt Ryan and company, and that was Calvin Ridley. That's Julio Jones. That's uh, Austin Hooper. That's a very good passing attack. You look at some of the other offenses that they've slowed down throughout this winning streak. I'm telling you that what we're seeing, and again, defense in 2018, it will never look like the 2000, early 2000 Steelers defenses with Troy Polamalu and James Harrison and all those cast of characters that we can all rattle off like they're our own family. It's never going to look like that. 
I'm looking at, can the Steelers keep a team off of 20 and can they get timely punts and can they bend, but don't break? That's it. In my opinion, I just defined a Super Bowl winning defense. If you have an offense that can score points, thankfully for Pittsburgh, they can score points. And I think they are now developing a defense. They're figuring out how to utilize their players. I think they have a defense that can do just that. Now, will they be tested coming up? Absolutely. In Denver, maybe not to the extent that most think. Oakland, no. But then you have San Diego. Uh, gosh, I always say San Diego. My gosh, I always say San Diego. Then you have the Los Angeles Chargers coming to town. That's going to be a test. Very good offense. Going to New Orleans is going to be the biggest test in terms of that defense. And then obviously the Patriots coming to town in week 15. Well, that's the dragon that the team hasn't slayed in a long, long time. So will they be tested? Yes. But at the same time, I think you're seeing a defense that is a Super Bowl caliber defense. And I know that there's probably people that are going to listen to this and say, Jeff has started hitting the juice early for Thanksgiving. No, I just I, I believe that this defense, I, I'm using the eye test here. This isn't me being a homer. This isn't anything like that. I, I get frustrated when I was listening to sports talk radio on my way home from work today, and all they kept saying was, you know, Kansas City's the best in the AFC. They played the Patriots tough. They beat Pittsburgh. And I'm thinking they beat Pittsburgh. Yes, they won the football game, but they beat them by, what was it, Brian? Three points? You were at that game, right? Was it three it was it was about four, I believe. Um, okay, I was trying to remember that today, and I never looked it up. It's a one score, but game. it was. And Joe Hayden wasn't in that game. Exactly. And there was just there was so much. They uh, they really they really could have won that game. And don't forget Chris Boswell's um, troubles in that game. There were a lot of things going on. Really made me think that they could play with this team after I thought of what they were missing. They were missing a lot in that Kansas City ball game. I was watching last night, and uh, I was watching both Los Angeles and Kansas City. And you know what I thought? Everyone's thinking, oh, my gosh, this is your Super Bowl preview. That's what ESPN wants you to believe because it was on their network. They're calling it the greatest game of all time. And it was phenomenal. I stayed up for it. But the first thing I'm thinking is, Neither one of these teams can do this in the playoffs. You're not scoring 51 against anybody in the playoffs. Um, it's very rare that it would. You're not scoring 54. You're not going to score like that. Teams like that, I mean, and especially Pittsburgh's a smart coaching staff. I know a lot of you don't want to believe that, but they're going to – you don't think that they, they're still not looking at tape of, of uh, week two? I mean, I know they're they're looking to the games and they're not supposed to look ahead, but they're scouting this team and they know what they they figure out what they can do to beat a guy like Pat Mahomes. And there's a possibility they're going to be playing New England twice. I mean, the way it's shaking out. But right now you're a half game behind Kansas City. You could get them you could possibly get them back in your yard again. And you could if you keep on playing well, you're going to be fine. These guys on paper look really tough. Los Angeles looks really tough, but I watched them play a lot this year. And there's games that they barely won. It was like Pittsburgh of last year. The games Pittsburgh's winning, they're uh, they're winning a little more decisively than than what what I want to call them San Diego too, Jeff. But what Los Angeles is doing, um, the Chargers could have lost so many times this year because I watched that because of FanDuel now. Everybody puts Melvin Gordon on the team. I'm watching Los Angeles games just to, just to see that team. 
and I want to see them because I know they're a, a matchup for Pittsburgh. I'm not really scared of them as much. I'm not really scared of New England because I like how they match up. This Denver offense, the one thing about the Denver offense, it reminds me so much of Carolina. And I'll tell you why. It's Philip Lindsay and Christian McCaffrey are the same dude. Those are the guys that are going to kill you. Nobody else on that offense is going to kill you. In fact, Carolina's offense was better. So that's, that's one of the things you have to look at. There's, But the biggest thing you have to look at, and I know I'm, I'm going to 80 miles per hour, but think about this. Last year, the Steelers could have not won this game. Two years ago, they could have not won this game against Jacksonville. This is a team that has transcended. This is a team that took the he who shall not be named um, debacle and took it as a rallying cry. It's like Braveheart. You know, you can't take away our freedom. You can take away our running back. You can't take away our freedom. And that's basically what, what they did. You can't take this team away. They are, remember 10 years ago, when Ben Roethlisberger kept on talking about we're a band of brothers, they're more of a band of brothers now than they've ever been. And I'm telling you, that's why I believe in this team. I really, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. I'm thinking that this is the team that's doing it. And I really believe it because they're not, the offense, they're not as electric as they were last year, but they have the pieces. The defense doesn't have Ryan Shazier and they're not, they're they're not as good as they were last year, but they're better. They're better because they're believing and they're playing as one. And that's what is going to carry this team through these tough games. Remember Pittsburgh Steelers back in 2008, like I just mentioned, they had the toughest schedule they've ever had. They were playing teams like Dallas in those big games. Uh, when Dallas was good, they were playing all these playoff teams. This schedule was brutal and they ran right through it. Because they were a team, and this is even better than that team. Maybe not on paper. Maybe they don't have the stars, but this is a team that will get it done just because they're unified. Absolutely, and you know you're going to see a lot of the Steelers nationally coming up because five of their six games are played at four 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or later. The only game that is not pushed back to a later time slot is the week 17 game, which every single game I believe is scheduled at 1 PM on week 17, except for if they move one to Sunday night football. So this game Sunday, this is a good segue into our week 12 conversation. This is a 4:25 kickoff in mile high today. Mike Tomlin Tuesday was asked in his press conference about any of his players possibly having sickle cell trait. If you recall, this is the game that Ryan Clark did not play in back when he was with the Steelers as a safety due to the health concerns. Tomlin did not say whether any players did or did not have that trait stating privacy per reasons. I understand that. But at the same time, here we go. We're talking about the Broncos who are coming off a very good victory against the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles. And all of a sudden they've injected themselves back into the playoff hunt at four and six, the Steelers, secure at seven, two and one. But at the same time, this is a very desperate Broncos team that the only way they're going to get in is via wild card. So they're going to have to tend with teams like the dolphins and the Ravens and the Bengals who are all that kind of like that muddle huddle right there at that last six wild card spot. So we're going to break it down as we always do the three matchups to watch. Uh, the last two weeks, I've deferred to the second half. I'll do the same here. Brian, go ahead. What's your first key matchup matchup to watch 
in this upcoming AFC showdown. Jeff, I hate to go against format, but you just said something there that I wanted to jump in on. And it's something that I heard after the press conference. And it's really interesting. Um, Santonio Holmes, actually, in an interview, like, earlier in the year, um, maybe late last year, he kind of intimated, and I'm not sure where I read this or what I might have been on the radio, but he intimated that there is a stealer with that trait. And he tried to say that it's Antonio Brown. Mm. So that's something that uh, that was brought back up today. In uh, I have done so much research before this podcast, so I can't remember the exact source. Uh, it might have been Pittsburgh radio. It might have been on notes that I was looking at. But that's something that I thought was interesting. But when Mike Tomlin said that, um, a lot of the uh, broadcasters in Pittsburgh were right away, well, if he's not saying no, no one has it. If he's saying that's private information, then someone has it. That's neither here nor there, but I just thought that was that was something interesting. You're never going to see Antonio Brown not playing this ball game. I wow. I can guarantee you, there's uh, he's playing in this ball game. I would imagine, but you know, the last time they were there, he wasn't there because he got injured by Perfect the week before, so he didn't really have the opportunity to play there. But that's something interesting to uh, just have in the back of your mind. Um, my key matchup. I was thinking about this uh, Denver defense, and we used to always talk about the no-fly zone. And the no-fly zone, they're not as strong as what they were, but you know they still restrict access. They're pretty tough. But the way to beat this Denver defense is they're weak up the middle. Um, you could really, you could really rip the soul out of this defense um, with your running backs. I'm going up the middle, but for me, it's the tight ends. And I know I've been on the uh, Jesse James, Vance McDonald kick lately, and I really think these guys are the number one key to loosening up still a pretty good secondary. But loosening up these guys, so against Brandon Marshall and Todd Davis in the middle, they could really, they could really move the chains a lot if you're employing those guys up the middle um, with, uh, with those eight-yard passes that turn into uh, um, bumps and get to about 15 yards. Um, I, I think the defense just like that. So Jesse James, Vance McDonald are going to be huge. 81, 89 against those guys. I'm, um, I'm just uh, putting the Brandon Marshall and Todd Davis because they're your inside linebackers. Of course, those safeties. They need to come out up and help, but that also loosens everything else up. But this is where it starts and ends for me. Yeah, and the thing is with that, we talked about that similar against the Jaguars, and the Steelers never were able to get Jesse James or Vance McDonald really going in the early portions of that game. It'll be interesting to watch. For me, everyone knows Von Miller. Everyone knows what he's capable of. I think for I, I, I am concerned about the right tackle position, period. Um, it's not a... Matt Filer versus Von Miller or Marcus Gilbert, because both of those players were mentioned by Mike Tomlin today on the injury update. Matt Filer has a pec injury. Uh, Marcus Gilbert still nursing that knee. He's missed the last three games, I believe, with that knee injury. And that in I think that included a bye week as well. Um, I, I don't know what to say, but they <laughs> the one thing you don't want is to have Chucks Okorafor going against uh, Vaughn Miller on the outside. That would be a recipe for disaster. That would mean that Vaughn Miller would be essentially hitting, 
you know, he's just, he's hitting the ball off a tee essentially. And the, and the ball is Ben Roethlisberger because he would just, it would be child's play and they would have to change their entire offensive philosophy to always chip his side to always lend help, which they probably will do anyways. But if Marcus Gilbert can play, Marcus Gilbert actually has a very good record going against Von Miller. I believe he's never surrendered a sack to him in the opportunities that they've had playing one another, which the last one was a few years ago at Heinz Field when the Steelers came back and beat the no-fly zone, and that was when Brock Osweiler was the quarterback for the Broncos in that very exciting football game. So my key matchup is the health at right tackle, which right now is not looking good, versus Von Miller in that Denver pass rush. Brian, what's your next key matchup? Okay, I'm on a Jay Wobble kick, so I'm just going to go short and sweet. I uh, love what he did. I thought he was powerful. I know he's not your traditional nose tackle anymore, um, but going up against the center, Connor McGovern, I think he could really go ahead and do some damage. And even with uh, with Philip Lindsay coming through, trying to come up the middle, um, he's, he's a stuffer right now. He's playing really well. I love what Javon Hargrave's doing, so for me – Let's go ahead and look at the interior of the line with Javon versus Connor McGovern and the rest of the uh, the Denver Bronco interior on the offensive line. You're looking at guys like Elijah Wilkinson and Billy Turner, and they're uh, I mean they're listed by PFF as decent, but they're they're not huge names and they're, they're nothing that's going to really put fear into you. So uh, wobble all the way and wobble right after your day of gobble. <laughs> Works for me. Wow, that was a that was like a Lance Williams uh, rhyme there. That was pretty good. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I think we're related somewhere down the line. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just don't have the cool mask. I, yeah, I need, to get, you the, need uh, to get that mask. My lucha libre mask out. Something like that. Anywho, um, I I I kind of want to <laughs> I kind of want to piggyback uh, on yours, and. Um, yeah, I haven't gotten to watch a ton of Broncos tape. I got to I've I've watched them play a lot. Um refresh my memory. The name of their quarterback is what, Brian? Oh my gosh, I cannot believe I, I'm forgetting his name. Case Keenum. Oh, there you go. Case Keenum, everyone's favorite Keenum. Um so Case Keenum, <laughs> um the Steelers played him last year actually in week 2 when he was with the Minnesota Vikings. That was his first start. Did not play well. The Steelers won that game. That was when Sam Bradford um had one of his myriad of injuries. And so the Steelers, if they want to win this game, they have to make this offense one-dimensional because they, they traded Demarius Thomas away. Emmanuel Sanders is really their only aerial threat that you have to concern yourself with. And do they have other players? Yes. But if you can stop Patrick Lindsay and you can force Case Keenum to have to win you the game, I'm not saying it can't be done because he did that in dramatic fashion last week against the Chargers where he, the Chargers went up they got the ball back, needed a, a field goal to win it, and he got them in field goal range, actually well in field goal range, uh, before they won the football game with that game-winning kick. So for me, you have to stop the run, and this is also compounded by the Steelers' offense. You want to turn a team one-dimensional, you get a lead. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. So if the Steelers' offense cannot come out flat like they did last Sunday, and they can come out and put up a couple touchdowns, all of a sudden that pad, that running game is going to slowly evaporate because they are going to feel the need. They're going to feel that pressure to have to throw, 
to get back in. So this kind of this matchup for me that I'm stating is it's kind of like threefold. You want to stop the running game, which you mentioned, but J- uh, Javon Hargrave, he's coming off the best game of his career, in my opinion, um, and that whole run defense. But you want to force Case Keenum to throw the ball, and the offense is going to have to do their part to make sure that that happens as well. So that's my matchup number two. What's your third one, Brian? Well, I am. Uh, my third matchup is none other than Case Keenum. So I'm yeah. scrambling, Jeff. <laughs> but I, I think I've got exactly where I want to go here. Um, yeah, I want to stay on that offense. I want to go ahead and go ahead and look at someone like Joe Hayden. And who's Joe Hayden going up against? Now, their best wide receiver, um, their best wide receiver at this point is going to be Emmanuel Sanders. And that's a guy we know all too well. I mean, he's well-respected by uh, by the coaching staff because it wasn't too long ago that he was here. And uh, they know all about him. They know what he can do. Um, it looks like... It looks like we're going to see a lot of his side. You know, they're going to switch sides and everything, but a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Mr. Sanders, he's going to be going up against Cody Sensabaugh. So I want to see what Joe Hayden can continue to do with this young, fast SMU receiver. Now remember, they've got two SMU receivers here because that's where Emmanuel Sanders is from. But Cortland Sutton, he's a rookie. And he was the reason that Demarius Thomas was traded as well, because they really like what they have in him. Um, He averages a little over 22 yards per catch. So Joe Hayden is your shutdown guy. And uh, we know that uh, you're going to see Sanders on the other side. And Sanders has done damage against you in that Brock Osweiler game as well. So you know what this guy can do. I believe in Sensabaugh. And I believe in Hayden, so I'm I'm believing in those quarter quarterbacks at this point. But I really want to see what Joe Hayden's going to do against Cortland Sutton, and I think he could really control the game to make it only Philip Lindsay as the guy to beat you. So at that point, that's that's good news. Yeah. And so my third and final one is more of a statement than a matchup. It's can the Steelers' offense not crap the bed? And that's exactly what they did in the first three quarters of their week 11 game against the Jaguars. The Steelers need to come out and they need to have, they don't need a high flying offense. That's not how this team operates anymore. Not under Randy Feeder. He wants a controlled, concise, and calculated attack. Those are three C's for you. So he wants controlled, concise, calculated attack. That's going to just move the chains, get third and manageable, run the football, stay balanced, That's what the Steelers need to do. I will always, always, always think back to the second matchup with the Baltimore Ravens, the first drive of the third quarter when the Steelers got the kickoff and they drove straight down the field. I want to say it was an eight and a half minute drive resulted in a touchdown and you literally ripped the souls out of the fans and the home team. Those are the drives they need to start getting back to. I want them to show that the, the the Jaguars, the struggles they had against the Jaguars were nothing but a blip on the radar and not a sign of things to come, that they didn't give a blueprint to stop the Steelers' offense, that it was literally the Steelers didn't play well until it mattered. So in, in my personal opinion, you have to have two phenomenal man-press cornerbacks to do what the Jaguars did. And on top of that, you have to have a very stout defensive front 
I'm not going to say that they, the Frank Broncos don't have the defensive front, but I'm not going to, I don't think they have without a keep to lead there anymore. I don't think that, um, I don't think they have the cornerbacks to do that. So for me, the offense just has to step up, step up your game. The defense got you, kept you in that last game. It's time for you to return the favor, go out and put up 30 plus win the game, get back on the plane, head back to Pittsburgh and prepare for the Chargers to come to town. So that's my third one. Um, Brian, so anything to mention on that one? Well, Jeff, yeah, especially I could get really concise, and I don't do that very often, but you said you don't want the Steelers to crap the bed, so it all depends <laughs> on the offense. Get it? Depends. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Nice play on words. Uh, I'm trying. I know. You try hard. All I'll right, be here so, all week. Tip yes. your writers and waitresses. Try the veal. Okay, so um, one thing <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get your we, we always the next segue is into our player of the game, the player to watch, the one player you think could make or break the game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm trying to think who we picked last week. I don't think either of us picked anyone of significance. Uh, did I say Ben Roethlisberger last week? Do you remember Brian off the top of your head? I should write this stuff down. I just don't. It was either Ben or AB. Yeah, okay. I both, well, whatever. It was a crappy game. Well, who's your play? You got a Juju a lot, so it could have been Juju. Uh, it was Juju because he had to win his one-on-one matchup off today. Yeah, you could probably just hit the record button, and then just we could play our the same thing over and over again. <laughs> so, okay, Brian, go ahead. Uh, who's your player to watch this week for the Pittsburgh? You know Steelers? what? I'm going to go with another old favorite that we didn't mention that, James Conner. I really think that... Uh, I I like the way Ben Roethlisberger was talking about him today on uh, on how much that those uh, those drop passes devastated James Conner and they really did and that's that just is a true testament to what kind of human being this guy is he is a team player he felt like he left the let the team down and the team rescued him he's not a, this is a guy that's going to work even harder to get better um, look. I will never – the only reason he got in the um, – you know, I do the detention in the grades, and the only reason I put him in the detention was because of those drop passes. It wasn't because of the 25 rushing yards because, look, you weren't getting them – you weren't getting rushing yards in that game after after you're passing the ball the whole time. Um, and they were passing early and often, even though it wasn't working. James Conner was taken out of the game. And I, to me, it was no fault to James Conner. But I really think he can control this game um, just with running and passing the ball. I think you're going to need a more balanced attack this time around, um, especially against the no-fly zone that, uh, I mean, I guess they're, uh, they're not called that anymore, but they're still tough. And you've got – you've – got these monsters coming off the edges and uh, going after Ben Roethlisberger. So you're, I'm really thinking you're going to have to run a whole lot more. And I'm really thinking he's ready to break out again and uh, have one of those 175 total yard games. I don't think he's criticizing James Conner. Like everyone likes the kid. I get it, but he played a bad game. I mean, when you're not getting the carries and the only opportunities you get are in the passing game and you drop two key passes, you're going to find your way into your detention category. He found his way into my loser column on my winners and losers. It's part of the game. So criticizing James exactly. Conner does, does not need an apology attached to it. Uh, some people, I guess, feel that they should. I don't, I don't get it. 
the kid didn't have a good game. It's going to happen. I'd rather it happen in an ugly win than happen in a crucial moment against a, a big AFC matchup down the stretch. So hopefully he's over that. I'm going to go on the other side of the football, and I'm going to talk about a player who hit a very important milestone for me personally because growing up, Brian, you can say this the same, since the Steelers converted to a 3-4 defense, it's always been the outside linebackers that have been super dynamic unbelievably fun to watch. We can name the list. We could talk about Greg Lloyd. We could talk about Joey Porter. We could talk about Clark Hagans, even at times. Um, we've talked about James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, TJ Watt recorded his 10th sack on Sunday against Blake Bortles and the Jaguars. He was the first outside linebacker to do so since 2010. Uh, think about that. 2010 was the last time the Steelers had an outside linebacker record double digit sacks. He did that. I feel like he's only going to go on to bigger and better things. Uh, I asked Lance on our post game show, if I were to say that the over under for his sacks were 14 and a half on the season, what would you take? I took the over Lance took the under. What about you? Because he's my player to watch. I think he can be disruptive in a lot of ways. He can help stop the run. He can get to uh, Case Keenum. What are your thoughts? Would you take the over or under on that bet? You know, at this point, I'm taking the over. I really think that uh, he has gotten it together. And I mean, not that he never had it, but that freshman year last year, you know, you're playing 16 games for the first time as opposed to maybe 10 or 11 at Wisconsin. And uh, he fizzled out towards the end. And I really feel at this point that he has got it together. I uh, am tired of hearing the criticism that he just gets it in clumps too much. But I don't think he is uh, – I think he is present all the time, even when he's not getting the sacks. I love what he brings to this defense. I love, uh, and um, I love the way he's opening up opportunities, even on the other side for Bud Dupree. And I really think it's TJ Watt that's opening up those, those opportunities. Um, so I think he is your stud on defense. And I think he's, he's, they don't wear the C, but I, he's a future captain of that defense. And he's going to be the guy for years that they're, you're going to see nineties in 14 years from now, because he's going to be that type of player. I hope so. I hope you're right. So there you have it. Our players to watch as well as our key matchups. Now is when we go into our fantasy focus. This is where we give you a player to start and a player to sit. Uh, I say it every week in case you're a first time listener. Obviously a lot of these players that we mentioned are not going to be available in your traditional fantasy football leagues. However, if you enjoy daily fantasy leagues like Brian and I do, like Fandle, then these this is some good information for you in terms of who might be a good selection and who might not be a good selection. So in this matchup, you're at Denver, mile high, high altitude. Uh, who is your player to start in this upcoming game? You know, I never do this, and I'm going to go ahead and say the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm going to go ahead and say that is because I have seen so many times, even when Ryan Clark hasn't played, I've seen um, guys like, uh, remember Carter, number 23, coming Tyrone. in and uh, Carter, yeah. you know having pick sixes. Tyrone Carter. Yeah, having pick sixes in Denver. Um, I've seen them... I've seen the defense score a lot in Denver. I think they're going to get a lot of sacks. I think they're going to force 
more turnovers than they usually do with Case Keenum. Um, I could just see this happening, and I can see the defense putting up, you know, you know, for a fantasy defense, if you could put up 18 to 22, that's amazing, and I can see them putting up a lot of points for the first time. Okay. I think that's a good thing. I actually played Pittsburgh last week, their defense last week, and they almost got me double-digit points. And so that was pretty good. They did give up some points, but they had a lot of sacks, uh, forced fumbles, all adds to your points. Oh, yeah, and you won this week too, didn't you, Jeff? No, you did. I had a horrible week. Eric, <laughs> Eric, Eric Ebron got me zero points. And if you're watching on yes. YouTube, Brian's doing some lame-ass dance over there. But still um, – <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're not going to get into my fantasy team last week. That's why you play daily fantasy. If your team sucks one week, you pick a new team next week. So for me, I'm looking at a rebound game in a big way for this guy, and that's Ben Roethlisberger. Because if you're in daily fantasy football, you have options of a slew of really, really solid fantasy football quarterbacks, whether it's Drew Brees, although he won't be available if you're in a Sunday-only league. Um, Tom Brady will be available you have all these options, and sometimes Ben Roethlisberger is a streaky player. He can be inconsistent, and we all saw that last week in the first three quarters. In his career, I don't have the actual statistics to, to give you at this point, but Ben Roethlisberger rarely has back-to-back -back duds, and even though he had the game-winning comeback, come-from-behind drive, and got them the 20 points you know that, that necessary to win, I would still consider the game a dud for for Ben Roethlisberger. He just didn't play well. It was ugly. I don't think he's going to play well back-to-back -back week. I don't think he's going to play poorly, I should say, back-to-back -back weeks. I say that Ben Roethlisberger is a very solid start for you in fantasy football because one thing to keep in mind as well are these rushing touchdowns that he's getting. And it's it's kind of crazy, but he I think he has maybe three on the year already. Um, that's a number that I didn't think he would reach. He never reached that with Todd Haley. So um, he's just getting in the end zone. He's getting the ball in the end zone in a multitude of ways. I would say start number seven this week if you have him as an option. And on FanDuel, he's going to save you some money because he's not uh, considered the uh, like a Patrick Mahomes type player in terms of it's like nine thousand dollars. <laughs> So there you go, Brian. You know what's funny? You know what's funny, Jeff, though? I won. I mean, I, I know I'm bragging, and I'm, I'm not bragging this time around, but I won with Ben Roethlisberger last week. Yeah. And he actually put up 23-some points, and it was because of those touchdown passes, the long touchdown passes, and the run, like you said. He actually uh, – I was trying to decide between he and Andrew Luck, and at the last minute I went to Ben, basically because you said started him last week. Um, so I took your advice. That's how much I respect your advice. But, um, yeah. so I went ahead and I started him and I was cussing you by the third quarter. Cause I'm like, I'm going to lose my fan duel because of Jeff. <laughs> and then Ben went off. Yeah. So then I was, then I was holding up my Jeff Hartman picture running around going, yay, he's a genius. So, <laughs> well, I started <laughs> so listen to well. Jeff. Yeah. 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 Listen to me. Just don't listen to me when I talk about starting Eric Ebron, who gets you zero, zero points want to punch it if i if i was with him i'd punch him in the face and i'd turn and run but i, I would have hit him in the head um okay who about sitting who are you gonna sit um obviously we're starting we did talk about who we're starting who are you gonna sit who's the guy you say hey don't don't don't, don't start this guy you know what i i've been struggling with this i really don't know who to sit um i think the tight ends are gonna have a good game 
Um, but if I had to pick one out of the two to have a, a better game, it's going to be Vance. Um, none of the uh, – I don't want to sit any of the receivers. I just told you how good James Conner is going to be. I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to be good. There's not too many Steelers that I want to go ahead and sit here. You can, so you can let's choose go. Denver, too. You can choose a Denver player, too. So let's go ahead and and say Case Keenum because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, he's going to be cheap. I just don't think he's going to put up the numbers. I think he's going to be – he's not as bad as Blake Bortles, not at all. But you're looking at a team right here that is the uh, – they only he only puts up an average of 247 yards a game. Um, they're they're ranked in the lower half of the league as far as offense. I he doesn't have Demarius Thomas. Um, I just don't really think that that uh, he's going to put up a lot. So let's go ahead with Case Keenum there. I'm going to stay with Denver as well. Patrick Lindsay has been a very affordable option for a lot of fantasy football owners. I've used him this year. He has paid dividends. Um, and I'm going to say bench him this week. I would not start him. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is going to be up to the task. I think that especially with their run fits after last week, they're going to be on point. So I would say do not start Patrick Lindsay this week. Okay, prediction time, folks. Here we go. We're getting ready to predict not only this game, but let's predict the entire AFC North slate of games, but we'll go with the Pittsburgh game first. Brian, how do you see this game shaking out? What's your final score? Plain and simple. I think uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are rolling. I don't worry about road Ben at this point. Um, We got a huge dose of road Ben last week. I think he's so fired up after this win. I think he's so fired up after the trash talk. I think they're going to go in and make a statement against still not a bad team, a team that, does take teams to the end, but I just think this time around we're looking at 34 to 28. Okay. All right. Um, I, I like that. I think that the Steelers win this game. Um, I think that it's my prediction last week. It was going to be close early and the Steelers would pull away in the second half. I didn't think they would wait until five seconds left in the game to get their first lead, but I think it could be a similar script. I think that the Steelers, Take a lead into halftime, uh, but I think the final score is going to be Pittsburgh. We'll say Pittsburgh 34, Denver. Uh, we'll say Denver 20, 34 20. So I think that the Steelers are going to, I think they're going to prove a point. I think they're going to be out to prove a point. And I like the Steelers big in this one. So if you, uh, I don't know what the odds are. I think the Steelers started out as, three and a half point favorites maybe um i'll have to double check on that i know we ran that article yesterday i just can't think of it um so that there you go both of us have the steelers winning i'm sure if you listen tomorrow night lance will pick the broncos to win somehow some way he's a hater but that's good that's, yeah good that's what i always say when he picks against him but let's go ahead to the rest of the afc north before we get some, to some questions from our listeners uh the oakland raiders travel to the baltimore ravens all reports are that joey flacco is going to miss his second game it's the lamar jackson era in baltimore who do you have winning this one you know i i uh, i picked baltimore last week and gosh they're playing the Oakland raiders and they're playing them at home if this was on the road i i would actually say you know it might be closer i can see this being actually a blowout with uh with lamar jackson doing it again um 
they're going to start talking about rookie sensation with him. I don't think it's going to be long lasting, but he's, he's going to get a, uh, a good start to his era in the charm city. So, I mean, you know, throw in the fact that Oakland finally won a game last week, they're not going to put two in a row up. Baltimore traditionally wins these games at home. Um, they're very strong at home against uh, these guys from the West coast. So, I mean, I would go ahead and put the mortgage on this one, Baltimore. Yeah, I'll take Baltimore as well. Then we have the other game. Cleveland Browns come off a bye. Uh, Condoleezza Rice will not be coaching the team this week, but you never know about next <laughs> year. And they're going to be playing the Cincinnati Bengals, who just hired Hugh Jackson to help them lose games, I guess. That's what he does best. Anyways, <laughs> in the battle of the crappy state of Ohio, who do you have winning this game? I'm not a big, big fan of the state of Ohio. So if I if I, I offend hate, somebody, I hate Ohio. I grew up five minutes out of Ohio. I, mean, I hate Ohio. I mean, I like Drew Carey, but that might be about it. And John Glenn's a cool dude, but other than that, bah. Um, anyways. <laughs> All right, that, that was rotten. I'm sorry. I, I have a good friend from Ohio, but um, they don't pay me. So um, I, I really like Cleveland in this game. I like what Greg – I think Greg Williams has these guys fired up. Uh, it's a shame they had a bye last week. And I know I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but there's a part of me that's that's kind of rooting for Cleveland um, to, to just be back there. I'd rather be facing them as a rival, um, a good rival. Than, uh, than the Bengals, because I just have such hatred for them. And I think they're imploding. A.J. Green's not there. Um, and he's their team. Um, those other guys, I mean, you have Burfecht crying about getting spit on last week by Baltimore and all, all, all this stuff. It's just the same old thing. Uh, yeah, I'm tired of them, and I want to just see them flush down. I usually say if it's brown, flush it down. But... If it's orange and black at this point, send it back. Yeah. I think the, the back of the standings. Yeah. I, I think the Bengals win this game. Um, even though Condoleezza Rice might show up and give a fiery halftime pep talk. <laughs> uh, I still Come on, lose. you know you want you want I want that to happen. Come on. <laughs> how fun would that be? It would be funny. I don't know how fun it would be. But I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if I would wins. love it. Here we go. I'll do this. If AJ Green plays, the Bengals win. If he doesn't, I'll take the Browns. We'll do it that way. And someone very astutely pointed out, Anthony did in the live chat, that Ben Roethlisberger is from Ohio. He's the only good thing from Ohio. I have family that live in Ohio, but you know what? I tell them, too, that the state that they live in is no good. Um, I've always said you could decimate the state of Ohio, and it wouldn't make any difference. No one would know. Um, and and you're right. Good. i got to apologize because the great Le'Veon Bell is from Ohio. I, we're, not, we're not talking about that. Oh, sorry. Anymore, he who shall not be named. Sorry. Yes. There sorry. You, there you. All right. So let's get to some questions. We have some already flying in on the YouTube live chat. Um, Jimmy asks, the Steelers defense faced Case Keenum last year in Minnesota with more weapons than one. Will the loss of Demarius Thomas help the Steelers? Well, it can't hurt the Steelers. Um, they typically struggle against big, fast, athletic wide receivers. And, I like Joe Hayden matching up with an Emmanuel Sanders more so than Demarius Thomas. Um, I'm worried more about the secondary weapons than I am the primary. Brian, what are your thoughts on this? I, I'm not worried about Case Keenum. I think he, he can throw it up. 
um, very well. He had some weapons last year when they played it in week two, and that was uh, he didn't lose many games after that. In fact, he went on a big win streak. But I just really like where Pittsburgh is right now. I don't think he has the huge weapons to go ahead and break this defense apart like you just said. Um, I think losing Demarius Thomas is a huge deal. I still think Emmanuel Sanders is def- is uh, is good. Um, but he can't do it alone. My biggest threat is Philip Lindsay, because he, like I said at the beginning of the show, he reminds me of Christian McCaffrey, um, and I think that's the only thing they really have going on that really concerns me. Um, they could neutralize Keenum, and that's going to happen. Okay, next question. What do you think about Artie Burns' demotion? And we'll lump another question from Nicholas into that. Is Burns officially a bust? I'll go ahead and say that the demotion was very was had it had its merit. Um, he wasn't playing well, and so when you don't play well, sometimes you get benched. Is he a bust? I'm not going to say he's a bust until they don't pick up his fifth year option. Um, we'll see what happens for the rest of this season. Injuries could dictate he gets more playing time, but if Cody Sensabaugh stays healthy and is playing the way he is, um, he might just have to watch and be relegated to special teams duties. Brian, what do you think? I hate the word bust. I think we like to throw it out way too quick. So I was thinking right along the same lines as you, Jeff. Um, I think he's done for this season, unless there's uh, unless there's an injury. Um, you're not going to see him. I think uh, they're sending a message, but I think the coaching staff fully intends on working with him in the offseason, in the preseason next year. Um, I don't really see the option being picked up, but uh, they're still going to give him an opportunity to compete next year. They don't want to waste this pick. It's coming close, but he's done for this year. Okay. Next but uh, let's, again, not, let's give him a chance. Okay. Let's give him a little more of a chance next year. That's fine. Next question. Um, do you think Coach Tomlin could win Coach of the Year? Brian, I'll let you go first. Should he be? Yes. Will he be? No. Because you've got the Vrabels and the and the Frank Reichs, and if they uh, one of those one of those teams is uh, possibly going to go ahead and be in the playoffs, um, you know, as a possibly as a wild card. Um, I just think it's going to be, it's typically one of those new guys. And one of my favorite stats when we talk about coach of the year is a guy who never won coach of the year. And his name is Chuck Knoll. Hmm. So to me, to me, coach of the year is almost like a rookie of the year award for coaching or a, you finally don't suck this year award for coaching. And a guy like Mike Tomlin, you know, you're not really going to give him coach of the year when he continues to do this over and over. They look for big swings, uh, big differences in winning, or they look for a new guy that comes in and is a sensation. And I think that's exactly what would happen. And if a guy like uh, Chaz Knoll can't win it, um, I don't have a problem with Mike Tomlin not winning it either. But we know what he's doing, and uh, he's my coach of the year. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. When you got guys like McVay and even Andy Reid and the way they have their team plan, sometimes people get overlooked, and he's typically one of those. All right, uh, next question. Um, do you think Ola Adenye is going to get brought off the injured reserve now that Anthony Chiquillo is hurt? Uh, and who gets cut to give him a roster spot? If you didn't know, Chiquillo suffered an ankle injury late in the game in Week 11. 
He is not sure. I mean, tomorrow, Wednesday, is the first official day of practice, so we have no idea what kind of designation he's been given early in the week, um, whether he practices on a partial or limited or doesn't practice at all. So we won't know that until Wednesday. But Ola Adenye did take to his official verified Twitter account today and say, I'm practicing tomorrow, which is very striking. Mike Tomlin was asked about that. He said, I think his response was, well, there you go. And about an hour later, Adenye's tweet disappeared. It was deleted. Um, I don't know what to take of this situation. Um, if I were to make an educated guess, if Chiquillo can't practice, Adenye will be brought off the injured reserve. I would expect someone like Brian Allen to get released who hasn't really played, or Justin Hunter could be another guy that they could feel comfortable releasing because they have a feeling that he's not going to get picked up on waivers and they could always bring him back if they needed to. Uh, but it all depends on Chicola's ankle. Brian, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, I use Spanish earlier, so I'm going to say we are going to say hola to hola um, this week. So I definitely think he's in. I saw a different tweet from him, and the tweet I saw was just sit, just standing here waiting for my chance. It was something along those lines. I saw that earlier. Um, I think he's playing. I think all signs point to yes. I was absolutely going to parrot you and say uh, most likely going to be Brian Allen. But you know what? They have more to lose with the future of Brian Allen and the Hunter. Uh, I wasn't thinking Hunter, but as soon as you said it, light bulb went on. I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So kudos to you, Jeff Hartman. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, so that's the questions. Are, we're done for the questions today. Um, let's hear Dave Schofield, who writes for the site, did send me an interesting statistic that he wanted me to read on the show. I told him I would oblige. Um, listen to this. Ben Roethlisberger has played in 22 games where he has received the ball inside of the last two minutes where the Steelers have been trailing by three points or less. He has 13 wins. Out of the nine losses, one game they scored a touchdown, but then gave up one and lost. I believe that was against Dallas a few years ago. Four other games, he received the ball with seven seconds or less left in the game. In one other one, he had 18 seconds where they only got one playoff. So if you exclude those games, he's only lost three games when given a realistic opportunity to win inside of two minutes when trailing by a field goal or less. That's tremendous stuff. Not only by, hey, Bay, that, not only by, that, Bay, that is fantastic, but also by Ben Roethlisberger. And you know what? Um, guess what? I have a Dave, a Dave stat. Uh, he's texting. He sent me a text. <laughs> Go ahead. Read. read yeah, our, yeah. Our, our, I, our I had a chance to meet Dave the other night and he's my new best buddy. And I know Jeff feels a little left out, but uh, you're allowed <laughs> to hang out with us too. Um, Here's a great stat. The Steelers' offensive line is third in sacks, give it up 14 behind Indy, who only gave up 10, and New Orleans 9, and are tied for third in rushing TDs with 13 behind the Rams 15 and the Saints 19. So combining pass protection and rushing, the only team ranking higher in these two, two particular stats is the New Orleans Saints. That's pretty impressive stuff too. Yeah, you got to be able to run the ball. You have to protect your quarterback. Those are two good stats there, absolutely. So um, that's something the Steelers have done well is run the ball in the red zone this year, which is con contradictory to what Todd Haley did during his time. So 
with that said, folks, let me give you the lay of the land coming up. Uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, the standard is a standard. We'll be back. I'll be on with Lance Williams. Thursday, there's not going to be a show. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Um, Friday, I don't know. If, I probably won't have a show either. And then we'll, we won't be back until after the post game on Sunday, which will be later. Uh, we'll be talking all about their instant reaction from the Steelers and Broncos. And then we start a new week and the back on the regular schedule. Brian and Tony on the Steelers hangover on Monday. We'll be back next Thursday. Hope you got all that. If you don't follow us on YouTube, make sure you do type in BTSC Steelers radio, like subscribe, comment. We have a nice little community as well as on all of our podcast platforms. We're talking art 19 stitch, Google play, iTunes, Spotify, we're everywhere. Type in Steelers. You'll see behind the steel curtains podcast platform. Follow us, share it with all your Steelers friends, some good content for Brian. I'm Jeff. We'll see you next time. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Go Steelers. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.